really mean to say is you still seem a, a little unstable. Unstable? 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 Welcome to TARDIS Talk, the weekly podcast where we discuss everything Doctor Who. This week we continue our celebration of six years of adventures in space and time as we step into Colin Baker's first full season as the Sixth Doctor, where we're tackling Cybermen and bank robbers in 1985's Attack of the Cybermen. I'm Chris, and joining me this week, they're cold and emotionless beings. No, it's not the Cybermen, it's Matt and Cook. I mean, Um... I can accept cold, but emotionless? (laughs) I'm not saying all the emotions are positive, but I normally yeah, display like, quite a range of them. Yeah, he's a Dalek, really. Brutal, thanks, buddy. <laughs> a fascist with anger management issues. Um, I've been called worse. <laughs> fair play. Uh, how are we both doing? We're both, we're both alive and good. Yeah. Great. Oh, the Fine, I came on this call. The enthusiasm bubbles and drips from Cook every week. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you uh, can talk. You barely sound alive yourself. I'm hanging out my arse. So this is going to be a podcast and a half to remember, this one. Um, plenty to talk about, though, which is good. What we don't have plenty to talk about, unfortunately, this week is who in the news, because there has been sweet bugger all. There's been absolutely nothing, as far as I'm aware, that's, that's kind of floating around out there. I don't know about you guys. Have you seen anything or... Um, mm, nothing, literally nothing. Yeah, no, I, not weird. a thing. Again, we've been quite quiet on our um, group chat as well. Yeah, Normally if something has creeped up, we'd be uh, that would be pinging every five minutes. It sort of pops up, doesn't it? No, no, it's been pretty quiet this week, so we can't really kind of talk about much to be honest. So we might as well just kind of slide straight onwards with the with the, the chit chat. So, um, season twenty two, then. So obviously, I'll tell you what. Let, let's just let's just recap. So we are on the twenty second season so far, mid eighties, pretty much approaching the death knell of classic Who at this point, which is very unfortunate, as we'll discover in a few seasons' time because it starts getting good again. Um, subjective, totally get that, totally get that. Subjective. <laughs> Any anything to do with your nostalgia? Uh, but I mean, it's funny because like from from a classics perspective, Cook, we're going to go to you again on this one, I think. It, obviously the early classics like the Hartnells and the Troutons and even some of the Pertwees you struggled to kind of get on board with didn't didn't you and then I think your kind of take yeah. on Baker was you kind of uh, Tom Baker you found him a little bit you, you, you didn't see the you didn't see the rating in, in it wishy-washy yeah. wishy-washy yeah yeah wishy-washy yeah. yeah you famously didn't like Davison um, so we're now kind of like approaching the end of, of the of the classics I mean <laughs> Do you still appreciate, or do you still prefer this end of the spectrum rather than the early stuff? Have you have you been swayed one way or another as we've been watching it? Because in fairness, we've seen some really shit episodes as well, some really shit serials, especially from the early ones. I mean, whose idea was it? Watching the Dominator. Still very much hit and miss, to be honest. Yeah. Um, but I I do I get on board with the later Doctors more than I do. Hartle and Trout. Do you find it more relatable then? Is that is that probably what it is? Not necessarily. I just find it more entertaining to watch. Yeah. No, that's that's three, fine. three, six, and seven, especially. Yes. I was going to say. I think we do need just to give a bit more praise back to three. I've really enjoyed the time we had him on screen. Yeah. In fairness, I mean, I, like I said before, I was never a massive fan of of Pert. We I mean, I found him all right, but he was, wasn't one of my top doctors. But I kind of regained a bit of an appreciation for him recently, having rewatched some of his stuff. Yeah, it's um, a shame about Inferno, but everything else seems to be all right. Heathen. 
heretic <laughs> burn him send him to the inferno uh, exactly <laughs> <laughs> i mean matt from a from a, a parallel we're now again for the third time of saying it we are at near the end of the classic run and com- not, i'm not talking production values because you can't equate the two tonally and maybe narratively do you see much of a difference between 82 compared to 60s 72 well i think i think it does it does fluctuate and i think that's just because of the eras that it moves through so again we kind of talked about where it's uh, got some really uh, accessible storytelling some more complicated hard hard sci-fi storytelling it's also gone from some quite quite serious tones and quite uh whimsical tones so mm-hmm. i think it is just going through the eras so you know as we expect them from our normal earth side uh observations yeah yeah but, but yeah. i think that's fine i think every show that goes on for that length of time starts to pull its influences from what's going on around it and actually, yeah that's true i i would be more surprised or dare i say it i imagine i'd probably be bored if we were 22 seasons in and it was constantly the same thing over and over yeah it wouldn't have survived would it the show wouldn't have survived i mean look you could say the same thing i'm not a trekkie by any stretch but you can look at star trek like the original series compared to the next generation compared to whatever's on there i think picard's like one of the latest seasons of sort of series or something but they, they're they all totally different from what i understand so um even though they're part of the same thing it's worth noting uh to our listenership we are going to be doing a sort of classics retrospective before we move into the new era um in where are we now probably like four weeks four or five weeks so we're going to just do basically like a review of everything we've done with the classics um so we'll be spending a good old 45 minutes finding out from cook what exactly his beef is with Tom Baker and Peter Davison? Uh, in, in we a don't already have seven weeks of that. In a great, in a great <laughs> amount of detail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. very good point. It's a shame he doesn't have a stopwatch. It'd be good to see how much of the uh, classic episodes you actually slept through. <laughs> um, you don't have to I, answer that. I, I don't <laughs> yeah, I refuse to comment. <laughs> that's 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 interesting. Do you guys know many of the people who like? appreciate the classics or watch the classics specifically maybe even of your generation i should say like people who never grew up with it who've gone back and rewatched it friends I mean, family I'll, I'll be honest 90 but maybe 90 to maybe even 95 percent of everybody i talk to say oh, i don't like doctor who or i get the response of oh i like david tennant and that's it yeah that is that's the staple really isn't it these days i suppose what about you because your dad's obviously like he he grew up watching it didn't he, he was a he was a fan yeah I mean, it'd be weird if my dad hadn't watched Classic Who from that from that standpoint. But, well, yeah, 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 um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a fair point. In terms of my, like actual like people my age that I know, you'd have to be a Doctor Who mega fan to have watched it. Yeah, yeah, yeah I suppose else, so. It's just it's just mostly David Tennant, basically. <laughs> it is, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> it really is. It's funny you say that because um, you both say about David Tennant. It's a very astute observation. He obviously is the golden age Doctor of the new series, isn't he? But I mean. Poor Matt Smith. Um, Peter Capaldi doesn't get a look in this sideways, does he? When people refer to Doctor Who, you just don't really think of Peter Capaldi. I think, I definitely think he's one of the, not least rated, but definitely one of the quieter ones that people refer to when they're talking about Doctor Who. Capaldi. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's my favourite at the moment. Yeah, 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 that's true. I honestly think Shooty might actually edge him out there, but... I hope so. I, I, I think it's so. a shame, particularly when we're talking about the new Doctors, because, I mean, if we put Jodie Whittaker to one side at the moment, I think all the... Um, <laughs> because we all know, like, we've got our opinions on Jodie, but... Um, she came through or Jodie's interpretation of the Doctor, should I say. Yeah. I think all the other Doctors have done a really good job, and they've all brought something unique, but there is something just... There is something fairly memorable and fairly iconic about what David Tennant's run, and it's just stuck with people. 
Mm. Yeah, that's true. It was the golden age and the glory days of the revival, yeah. I suppose. And I think this is why people have such affin- uh, um, affiliation, what's the word I'm looking for? Affinity, such a great love and affinity for Tom Baker because the mid-70s were the golden age of classic Who as well, to be honest. Yeah, and I agree. And if Tom, if Tom Baker is the golden child for the classics, then yeah, David Tennant is the poster boy for the new Who. Yeah, very much so. Very, very much so. Cool. Okay, right. Well, let's crack on then and start chit-chatting about season 22 so 985 an amazing year uh season 22 rolled around uh a star a star was born i mean i'm i'm not gonna (laughs) i was born in 1985 is what i'm getting at oh right yeah sorry should have clarified that and then we could have you know lied (laughs) um so yeah so mid 80s at this point it's, it's really important for us to discuss this because it's fundamental to to why the show went off air eventually this is the year doctor who was a nat's bollock away from getting completely cancelled we may not have even had mccoy if the fans hadn't fought to bring it back um this is the period where it it was supposed to be permanently cancelled and then it was brought back uh, 18 months later after a hiatus due to kind of like pressure from the fan base and stuff um have you guys doctor ever read into any of this in exactly doctor in distress yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah the, the charity single with some incredibly incredibly awkward uh singing by um some of the doctor who cast and uh some really zed rated pop stars of the time from what i recall Okay, so from, from that point in the end, what 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 actually happened? Because I mean, obviously, we just had a regeneration to, and we just had um, Colin Baker's twin dilemma, didn't we? So then, why why did we then have the gap up until season twenty two? Uh, there was a well, it was it was sorry, it was the gap after season twenty two into twenty three, where the where the eighteen Mathias thing. But, yeah, yeah. So it was the end of the run where they were like, nah, let's let's get shot. So people people often i could be getting this wrong so if anyone's listening out there and they're like what the fuck's he talking about I'm, I'm pretty positive this is what sort of generally happened which was um the viewing figures weren't as strong as they used to be and the bbc's um uh head of scripts um and head of stories basically was like no nah, i want to i want to get shot let's get rid of it and he basically pushed that up to michael grade the then um head of the bbc and was like we need to you know, get get rid of Doctor at this point. It's not doing any well, um, and that's kind of what happened. And then there was a lot of pressure from the fan base and stuff to bring it back, and um, and they did. But there was also kind of like I think, as we'll talk about in Attack of the Cybermen, for example, this era, specifically this season of the show, they made too many changes, and it just. I I'm a big fan of this era. I I love the I love the color and the campness. And the production values of these late 80s stories right but i can get why it would have jarred people back then because let's first things first they take away the the full 25 minute serial format yeah and it goes to pretty lengthy 45 minute formats and then you've got a lot of violence in it as well so from the offset when the doctor's strangling his companion in the twin dilemma and stuff like that a lot of people kind of like especially families sort of started to tune out of it a little bit because they were like Oh, I don't quite know how I feel about this. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's it's an odd it's an odd season. I mean, just thank God that they did manage to bring it back because we would never have had the redemption with the later McCoy seasons, you know. Um, but you guys have seen a lot of season twenty two, haven't you? <laughs> oh, excuse me, sorry. 
Yeah. <sighs> Rudely interrupt. I know. <laughs> um, yeah, I think we, we have, haven't we? I think we've seen most of it. Is it just the two episodes we haven't watched? So it's the two serials we haven't watched, which is Mark of the Rock. I mean, I've, I've seen these, and I, I think I'd put you guys off watching it. Unfairly, I'm kind of regretting suggesting that now. I, I was watching Attack of the Cybermen again this weekend and thinking, I really should have got you guys to watch Mark of the Rani, but... Um, <laughs> So there's Mark of the Rani and uh, God. What would the other one be? Because interestingly, I think we spoke about this last week, didn't we? This isn't this isn't Colin Baker's first season. Technically, he comes in at the arse end of season twenty-one. Um, the Twin Dilemma is the last story of season twenty-one, which is really odd. Mm. You know, it's something that they haven't done since like the Pat Trouton days. What have we got in in uh, season twenty? Uh, what we yeah. have twenty-one, twenty-two, twenty-two. So Attack the Cybermen, Vengeance yeah. on Virus, yeah, uh, Mark the Rani, yeah. Two Doctors, Time uh, yes, those and two, yeah. Revelation of the Daleks. Yeah, so we've seen all of those apart from uh, as, as in we've covered all of those in Tardis Talk, apart from Mark of the Rani and um, the Two Doctors. Uh, I mean, I recommend just going and watching them, and then you can at least tick off a tick list saying you've watched an entire season of Classic Who. <laughs> um, <laughs> You'll never do that. <laughs> I mean, that's, Mark, that's not something I'm going to be proud of. <laughs> <laughs> but at least you can say it. At least you can get your mega fan badge sorted. Um, they're not. They're not bad stories. Those two. Um, that, but they're just a little bit. Uh, they're not. They're not my favourites personally. I mean, they're, they're just. They're just. Yeah. They're. They're a bit average. Um, but it does introduce Kate and Mara's Rani, which is quite pretty cool. I feel like Cook was about to say something, and then he stopped. <laughs> I can't remember if I've seen Mark of the Rani or not. What happens in it? It's the one set up in the northeast during the Industrial Revolution, um, where the Rani and the Master rock up, and she's basically trying to suck the brain juice out of loads of people to uh, influence. Uh, she's basically pissed. She's ex- oh, she's experimenting. Sorry, she's trying to she's trying to create like a like a potion type thing because um, she's 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 the leader of a planet and that that planet is suffering some sort of healthcare crisis you should write the blurb on the back of the news <laughs> <laughs> do a good job of it <laughs> and then the, the and then the two doctors is just odd it's uh jnt got his his travel card back again and they all went off for a jolly to seville in spain um brilliant yeah, and they got Patrick Troughton and uh, Fraser Hines back on board and stuff. It was a bit odd. But there is a lot of violence in this season, isn't there? We kind of sp- said this before, I think. Vengeance on Varos with the acid bath. Um, yeah, but again, from, from my point of view, for the type of stories I like to watch, I quite enjoy it, but I can completely understand why it's jarring to go from something that's quite family-friendly and with the, with the light elements of horror, uh, horror, let's try that again, of horror, horror. to... Um, uh, to having such violence and having those uh, horror elements be a bit more physical. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Because he is a very physical doctor, isn't he? Uh, old sixty. He's, uh, yeah. you know, he, he runs about. He's not afraid to use his fists when he needs to, um, even if it is off screen sometimes. Um, and but, he's... but again, even like you're saying, even the stuff that happens to people in the plots, you know, yeah. doesn't necessarily just have to be the violence that the doctor is as the main character is doing it's the stuff that we see people doing to each other no i mean i don't know if we've spoken about this before so apologies if anyone's listening and they're like that you've already covered this violence in who has he got a place like, and all right it's spectrum because you can say what is violent is violent the doctor not even, not even necessarily the doctor but like you say matt you know is violence like a, a gore a, or is you know is it a gory scene with blood should blood ever be seen in doctor who or is it um, something as simple as like the uh, ubiquitous use of guns, for example. Um, cook is a replace for violence in who? 
But it's got to be story specific, I think. I mean, yeah. um, things like Midnight, for example. Yeah. Um, there isn't a lot of it. It's a lot, a lot. It's just talking. That's true. Yeah. They try and throw him out, but oh, yeah, but and that's about. You, you also want your massive like Santaran and Dalek battle scenes, don't you? So yes, but, but yeah. that's what I was going to add to. It depends, I think, what um uh, Chris did. It depends where you're drawing the mi the line on violence, because um. Uh, letting, letting fear turn into mob rule to throwing somebody out to their death could be seen as a very violent act. Yeah, that's true. What would you say then? All right, based on every Doctor Who story you've ever seen, uh, I'll get both of your takes on this. So uh, Matt will get you first. What would you say is the most violent thing you've ever seen? Like like over the top violent thing you've ever seen in Doctor Who? Bearing in mind that Doctor Who is a family show, right? So I'm not talking like Torchwood levels of, you know. <laughs> Usage, but in Doctor Who specifically, what would you say is the over-the-top example of violence that you've probably ever seen in any I story? I've done that thing where you've asked me something on the spot and therefore forgotten everything I had as an example. Ah, uh, um, which is on the on-the-spot syndrome, right? On-the-spot syndrome, isn't I it? Mean, yeah, pretty much. I mean, again, I think it. Uh, I think we have to come back to again talking about the what we're saying is violent. If we're talking about something which I didn't expect, which really did make me raise an eyebrow and go, "That was out of place." It's actually the scene from Attack of the Cybermen, which I've got in my notes here, which is where Paul Watson gets get his hands crushed. In a really brutal way. There were a lot of complaints yeah. about that scene as well. Yeah, there are a lot of... And I'm like, did that, not yeah. see who delivering on that type of thing. Oh, yeah. You know, again, from, the, from the morbid curiosity of how I like my storytelling, I didn't mind it, but I was like, this is jarring compared to what I expected. Oh, definitely. Cook, what about you? Is there anything in, like, New Who, for example, or... I mean, the, the way that bin mauled Mickey and Rose is pretty violent. Um... <laughs> but yeah. that was that had like I, I'm joking for clarification. Yeah, I, I, okay. yeah. I thought I was gonna chin you in the after. You spaz! No, I'm clearly being sarcastic. Um, all right, I won't put you. Comes to mind for me. Mm. It's not. It's not a new here, but it's when the Doctor just starts picking off those old grunts with a ray gun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a very good point. That he doesn't is a... even negotiate or tell no. them to stop. He just picks up a gun and starts shooting. It's, like, it's not like a life or death situation how, you know, in attack the Cyberman where the dog's on the floor and he's about to get uh, mauled by a Cyberman so he just picks up the nearest gun. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. But Do you know... The doctor just runs outside with this laser pistol and just starts It starts... <laughs> <laughs> there's mrs ogre on her home she's like I, I wonder what time i wonder what time oliver is coming home today i'd call him oliver because it's the oliver ogron get it um oscar ogron there's a whole load of them every ogron name begins with O. um yeah 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 he but three was very again he was very kind of like um tactile wasn't he a little bit like six i think for me um there's a few of them but it's not like the most over the top sense of it but I think it's really interesting to say that the very first ever story has probably one of the most out-of-character examples of violence that we've ever seen from the Doctor, where he was about to stove that caveman's head in with the stone. That's pretty fucking violent. He's like, he's, lift, he's lifting the stone up. I can't, no, he's not lifting it up, is he? I can't quite remember what it was. He basically just picks up yeah, a stone, yeah, doesn't he? Ian's like, what the hell are you doing? Stop. <laughs> I have thought of a new example, and it's oh, actually God. also from, it's from Rose, the first episode, where mm. the Autons stop, like... Uh, get activated and they start shooting people on the street. Shooting people on the street. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right, it just does the close-up shot, doesn't he? When, um, of oh, Clive, what? yeah. That's the one, thank you. Just, yeah, suppose... just the gun just opens and immediately... And his wife, the like, screams. Yeah. <laughs> Have you read the novelisation? You know, they did target re-novelisations of all the books. 
the novelization he did yeah jesus christ that sequence is dark where clive gets killed get 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 hold of it and read it it's an amazing read it's a really good book um yeah but i think i think the yeah so for example the example you just gave there with the autons that was done carefully though wasn't it we didn't actually see anyone kind of like getting shot and sort of falling down or anything like that um well yeah, this is... it had to establish a fear that doctor who has a fear factor. It, it, exactly it that's episode. it so there's that, there's that fine balance in there between kind of like like what you were saying matt it's it's a spectrum based thing and you do have to yeah. get that balance in that right between there's a necessity for it because otherwise there's no jeopardy there's no fear but at the same time you kind of well so mm. yeah and I, I don't want to say that um violence is inherently evil because you know it's a very complicated topic but you know this is a show fundamentally about the good guys versus the bad guys and the right thing versus the wrong thing so but it's also sorry go on so it needs to be able to display that on both sides it does it does but we also have to consider that one of the great tropes of the doctor one of the great character traits is that he's a pacifist no, sorry, they're yeah. When it when it suits him. Well, yeah, yeah, that's a fair point. I mean, <laughs> even Davison older wields a gun in Resurrection of the Daleks, doesn't he? So I don't know. Go figure. Okay, let's let's move on to uh, Attack of the Cybermen then. So, I mean, uh, Cook, kick, kick us off your thoughts on this. It's a two forty-five minute parter. Uh, what's your thoughts on 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 the plot? Did you like Honestly. it? <laughs> It had some good nuggets, some good concepts, but I thought it was a, like a dreary return to the form that we got in the first and second Doctor's eras. Oh wow, that much of a comparison! It, it felt like that side. It felt like that kind of story. Okay, 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 okay. Matt, what about you? Oh, see, I I quite liked it. Okay, this is <laughs> I interesting. Feel like may not be the most popular of opinions, but yeah, I think um I think the new timing format works. I mean, at the very beginning, to clarify, I did I did start rolling my thinking, oh my god, they've fallen into old tropes. I thought I'm gonna have three different stories going on that they don't link up very well, but I think they kind of quickly put that to bed, and then by the time we're halfway through the first episode, which would be ah. the first part of our if we split it down to four, it starts to flow quite nicely. Ah, you see, that's interesting because whilst Cook didn't enjoy it and whilst you enjoyed it i'm on the fence but i kind of disagree with you on the plot point side of things i think this 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 story suffers from um plot bloat there are too many plot strands going on and it jumps between them wildly and i can oh. i've seen this story so many times like I've, I've had the vhs i've seen it for years and years and years i still don't truly understand what the fuck's going on half the time when i'm watching it even i've seen it countless times you know like they've got the burglary the the, the the jewel robbery plot thread we've got the uh the it's a minor plot thread but it's a part of the story because they do spend a bit of time fanning around with it the tardis comedian circuit sort of being repaired plot thread we've got the um cybermen in the sewers slash well no the cybermen in the sewers is a plot thread in its own then you've got cyber control then you've got the prisoners trying to do a daring prison escape and then you've got lit in a plot thread of his own and they just don't mash for me they're just so, to, to me to, just to count i think they do actually pull them all together quite nicely now the bit i would say is that i'm i'm still in agreement that it's probably got one or too many too uh, too many components and as again as i always love to say on the oh the cryons of, as well sorry yeah, sorry, and I'm, yeah. A, I'm a big believer if you can take something out if the plot still makes sense and it shouldn't yeah. be there at all so and there is definitely some examples of that in this episode oh, i mean yeah. for example if you wanted to really streamline this down and make it almost a new who episode you have them just arriving on telos and you start from there yeah. Yes, exactly. Um, <laughs> exactly. So it, 
so it's completely possible but yeah. i was surprised so what i'm trying to say is if we look back to the earlier episodes it felt like it took such a long time for us to get to a single point when there was a story we'd have like six parts made by part four we'd have an idea actually what the plot and what the problem is that's Whereas it, yeah. with this one i did feel i got about 20 30 minutes in and i started to understand the direction and some of these points which are just set ups just got cut off and we were a bit more streamlined yeah i guess i mean i also find there was a lot of gratuitous easter eggs in this which were just there for the sake of it you know the doctor constantly getting the names of of uh of perry wrong with different companions um i am foreman scrapyard uh you know yeah all, all those so sorts of things the, was just like mm. the, the scrapyard bit yeah just felt like it was added in for added in sake mm-hmm. um uh, I, i'm not so much offended about them getting the names wrong i mean what is the second episode he's only just regenerated still I suppose it's a level of consistency but, there, which is nice. Absolutely, but again, from a from a, a new viewer, um, uh, that's quite jarring. You've got no idea what they're talking about. Mm, I mean, again, I think this era as well, the script editing suffers massively because even though Colin Baker does well with the material he's given, I can't help but hate the way that he speaks, the Sixth Doctor. Um, his dialogue is just <laughs> so irritating. Um We'll get into all that later. Interestingly, because um, they've got the season 22 uh, Blu-ray box set last year or whenever it was that it came out, and I watched all of the extra, like the commentaries and all the extra material around the story and stuff. Do you guys know about the the, the um, uh, contentious issues around the writer and the plot of this story? So, so Cook's nod, uh, shaking his head, and Matt, I'm assuming you've not heard. Yeah, right, fine. So. Apparently, that it's it's written by Paula Moore, who is a pseudonym for two different writers, Eric Sayward and Paula something or other. I can't remember her name. Terrible, terrible. But you guys have heard of Ian Levine, haven't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so an incredibly contentious uh, fan of the, uh, of the show. Um, we won't get into that right now. Um, but, I mean, it, basically he allegedly contributed a lot of script elements to this and has accused them of basically ripping him off and taking his scripts and his story and, and never giving him the credit for it. So I one thing that makes me laugh when I, whenever I think about this, and I was when I was watching this, I was thinking, why the fuck would anyone want to argue over who owns this story? <laughs> <laughs> I want to be as far away from this accreditation as possible. I'd be like, this is just yeah. a mess. This is a hot, hot mess. It's probably why they used writer pseudonyms. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, possibly. <laughs> There's just some really stupid things in this story, though. Like, we we spend so much time. Matt, you're saying like the first twenty minutes, and then we're into the story. Yeah, in the first episode. Mm-hmm. But for me, it was kind of like Perry starts having a meltdown about being too near Halley's Comet. Pointless, absolutely pointless bit of dialogue and a pointless scene. Fixing the comedian circuit, fucking pointless. Why was that in the story? What needed at all? It's funny to see, cool to see, but why was it needed? It wasn't. Um, the thirty or so bank robbers who were there in the plot, who just served as cannon fodder for the Cybermen, apart from with the exception Brian Glover, and we'll talk about him. Pointless. I was at 30 or so, yes, you're correct. If we round up to the nearest 30. <laughs> All right, there's, there's four of them, there's four of them. But I mean, like, pointless. Um, Lytton, why was the character brought back? Doesn't make. I mean, I like the character, but it doesn't make any sense. Pointless. Take all of that shit out and maybe, like you suggested, Matt, just have it focused like the Doctor and Perry land on Telos and it's about the Cybermen and the Cryons 
yeah. then and then maybe have maybe even have listen just kind of like crash landed on on telos you, you could still have him be a rogue actor you know he's the one that's try they they brought in to help liberate them and yes. that all still yeah. flows nicely that's what i mean it could easily have started from telos didn't the whole first section with the with the and, jewel robbery and stuff was pointless well, and, and just talk about Haley's comment as well because i thought again we're gonna have a very similar conversation to what we talked about um uh, with a few episodes classically where they introduce something really really early and then it has a payoff much later on but um we we don't they talk about using it to destroy the earth at one point fine but that was the throwaway line towards the end yeah yeah i know that's that's the problem with this i think it, it's i don't know whether this is a problem of the 45 minute format i don't like the 45 minute format for me i like the fact i like that's just possibly me though I, even tv shows in general i prefer it if they're in smaller chunks unless they're kind of like one-off dramas so if it's like a serialized thing like on futurama or you know uh, whatever. Like, with the forty-five minutes, though, they're still trying to write it as if it's they're just joining two twenty-five-minute parts. It was edited for two twenty-five-minute parts in some um, broadcasts around the world, so maybe that's what it was done like. Yeah. Maybe, maybe they designed it that way so that it could be split up. Um, but I, I don't know why they decided to do forty-five-minute formats. To be honest, it's uh, just me. I, I just didn't think it worked. It, it felt I, I was getting halfway through and I was like. Oh, just get a move on, will you? Stop fanning around in these tunnels. Stop getting picked off by the Cybermen and just do something. Get somewhere. Um, I felt like even the um, cryons were a bit surplus to requirements. Oh, to they were. Yeah, they were so odd. So, so odd. Because um, you've got a massive cast uh, character list, cast list in this one, haven't you? Huge cast list. Speaking of which, just very quickly before I forget, did you guys know that the uh, copper slash bank robber can't remember his name uh, what was it Bennett or something like that what was he called you know what about though the, uh, the a little bit more little bit more data the in, in, in Lytton's gang of jewel thieves there was the um, robber who was actually a copper in, in disguise Perry, Perry and oh, the doctor yeah. kind of catch him did, did you recognise who that was did you look at the cast list for that that's, that's Davros it's Terry Malloy he gets like a proper, yeah yeah no it's mental because <laughs> he's in no, did not that no, no, he's in Revelation of the Daleks a few stories later. Ask Stavros. So it's brilliant to see him like out of costume and what he looked like back then, which is quite funny. Yeah, okay, okay, okay. Um, so, I mean, all right. Resolution. I mean, before we go to the resolution, actually, let's talk a little bit about the law because they do some. I think some of the strong points about this are kind of maybe some of the small law elements that they kind of incorporate. So, like the fact that Telos was the Cryon's home planet, and then the Cybermen took it over, that was never explored back in Tomb of the Cybermen, was it? So that that's quite a quite a cool thing. Um, cooked, well, yeah, but... any of the little bits they you, they can see why they call them tombs and all that, and it does connect yeah. quite nicely. And that there are some cool bits in there, especially with like the rogue sort of rotting Cyberman zombie thing. That was quite cool. Um, mm. Cook, obviously we watched Tomb of the Cybermen. I can't remember what your take on that story was. Did you enjoy oh, Tomb? a long time ago so i can't really remember okay no that's fine that's fine i mean um, i was going to I ask if you thought the felt the, the, the t felt connected to this or i didn't even remember that t loss was in doctor who before to be honest i thought oh really so, yeah <laughs> oh, okay. i mean well, through that bit <laughs> i i did get the call back to the, the whole tombs thing and i thought the design was a bit naff for the new ones compared to yeah they just had bloody fridges didn't they it looked like a yeah. like a pub cellar more than anything i wasn't i wasn't massively enamored with the set design for telos or cyber command in this story 
yeah, I thought that was lacking a little bit. Um, it, it's a shame because I agree with you on that one. And actually, I think it would have been quite nice because you know we normally expect when we're seeing the sun on screen, it's a lot, it's a lot of greys and it's a lot of sleek and it's a lot of efficiency, and that's fine mm. because that's kind of their design. But it would have also been nice to have seen how they how they take apart or how they retrofit something that doesn't belong to them. Yeah. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah, I feel like there was a missed opportunity here to have that kind of uh, hybrid design that we just didn't get through. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a, that's a, a, a very good point. Um, it's a shame. It is a shame. But, I mean, they've obviously done lots of different things uh, with the Cybermen over the years. So to go back to T-Loss again was an interesting take. Just, in, just, just occurred to me, this is our first Cybermen review through the... The 60th rerun we're doing at the moment, isn't it? I suppose it is. Isn't is it? it? We, yeah, yeah. We haven't done any Cybermen stories so far. This is oh, no. this is this is the the uh, first one we've done, which is nuts. Um, well, we, what I also enjoyed in this one, we're talking about the Cybermen cells. It's nice to see both the partially the completion process, actually watching them be upgraded. And I think this is where we've spoken in the past when we talked about Cybermen and New Who. They are very. This is a great example of seeing them in their more human form, lack of a better phrase, than actually when they start to become just blank machines and new here. Yes, I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, even even this particular era of Cybermen from Earthshock onwards, we've, we've, I think we've said this in the past, haven't we? They're a bit not what you expect of a Cyberman in the, in the sense that they convey a lot of emotion a lot of the time with the with the age old excellent so why, <laughs> why would it find it excellent with such glee in its voice it's supposed to be emotionless and logical and devoid of anything other than that um, we, we get a lot of different versions of types of Cybermen in this story as well though don't we um, you get yeah. stealth Cyberman <laughs> That, that, commander, that's a, controller. commander, yeah, controller, um, rotting zombie Cyberman, uh, decayed corpse Cyberman, where he takes a faceplate off and activates the emergency beacon. Um, yeah, there's lots of different types of Cybermen in this one, which is pretty cool. Um, I, I mean, they've got a name, haven't they? These ones, what is it? Neomorph? Is that what they're called? Neomorph Cybermen. This particular breed or this particular offshoot of them. Uh, Not clear. No, don't don't recall. Mm, they don't get enough love. These Cybermen. I love. I know. Like there was Stephen Moff had the the biggest uh, wide on for the uh, Mondasian Cybermen, but I'd love to see these ones come back at some point. You know, you know, kind of like in New Who, how we've had Asylum of the Daleks, which is basically the Doctor landing in the Dalek Museum. There's just tons of Daleks everywhere from from the show's yeah. history. They should do that with the Cybermen. We should get we should get some of the classic Cybermen coming back into it. I agree, but I think also they need to pick a direction. They do seem to constantly go backwards and forwards of what they want to do with them. Yeah, that's true. That's that's very true. That's very true. Okay, let's let's work our way through the uh, uh, resolution quickly then. I, I mean, do we think it resolved in a neat and sufficient way, Matt? Were you happy with the way it it, it kind of tied up at the end? Um, I wasn't upset by it. I don't think. Again, I think that there's so many moving parts that actually there's not a nice the only way to end it is going through the bang no pun intended mm. um and actually because otherwise there's gonna be like i said there's gonna be so many missing parts that's just left outstanding that it's gonna be kind of hard to uh, to tie that all together in a really really nice way i do mm. i i think it's a little bit odd though i mean maybe not odd maybe odd's the wrong term but when we're talking about the that end scene specifically where the doctor is reflecting on um uh 
uh, on Lytton and his sort of actions throughout the episode and what he's doing, it does seem like a slightly, for something that ends in such an action-packed way, a very melancholy way to end the episode. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's a, a slightly mournful kind of uh, uh, retrospect he's taken on at this point, isn't he? Because, I mean, he's he's gone down the cyber, cyber controller, you know, point-blank range, um, and he's obviously probably kind of looking at all of the death that they've they've experienced in this particular story and he's just he's, he's just reflecting on it i kind of like that aspect you know no i'm not against it just it felt jarring tonally yeah compared to the way that he'd been gallivanting throughout the rest of the episodes you know knocking people out and pointing guns and telling perry to shoot people and stuff like that Absolutely, <laughs> and explosions and rebellions and plans and explosive powder and then suddenly it's oh poor Lynn. yeah Pretty much, yeah. Obviously, a better acting chops than I've got, but you see what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Well, what's that famous, famous, not famous, but that's like the quote, the line he says in it about about Lytton. He says something about um, he kills his own grandmother just to keep his uh, his trigger finger supple. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a great, a great line of dialogue there from the uh, from the script editing team behind it. Um, Cook, any any comments on the resolution of the story? Um. No, I sort of agree with Matt. Really, it just yeah. didn't have any. There was, didn't have, leave themselves many options. No, and it, it felt like a little bit of a cop out watching it. How it's just blow everything up and then it's all sorted. But it's that old Deus Ex Machina thing, and it is the old kind of trope of getting out of a situation. How do you resolve it? Blow it up. That's the best way of doing it, really. Yeah, yeah, it's unfortunate, but it's the way it rolls. Okay, characters. So we've got the Doctor. So let's talk about the Sixth Doctor then. Um. Big fan of Six, Cook? I quite like Six, but the issue I have with what's going on here is he just doesn't seem happy with what's go- with having Perry around. They don't seem to like each other. No, they don't. They don't do seem that. to be having a good time. Why the, Why do they bother? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I know. I think he warms up to it massively in season 23, trying to have a time though, but yeah, you're right. I mean, he he tries to kill her in his first episode, so <laughs> that's probably not going to make much of an impression, is it, I suppose? I mean, I, I do want to just add to that as well, because I completely agree. It does seem like they are more... They're a convenience than actually good mates. Mm. But, um, however, and I will credit the writing of the dialogue and the banter between them both, because it does come off as as really well put together to give you that... That... What I'm trying to look at argumentative feel it doesn't feel like it's out of place or jarring it does feel like actually two mates having a bicker yeah but i just don't get like 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 cook just said actually but starting to kind of talk about perry area as well i suppose i don't understand why she keeps traveling with the doctor I, like like they, they land in her time why doesn't she just leave do you know what i mean like they land in 1985 which is where she's from why doesn't she just go yeah. well it, it, I, it just I feels mean... like that she's, it just feels like the character is going through the motions of being a companion rather than yeah. having a drive to be there well the bit I, the bit i can't back so obviously i have no idea whether they plan that fire head or thought it through when they're doing the previous season or whatnot but i mean in one hand from a character perspective she's just lost five and five's just sacrificed her life to save her yep. so it may just be a case of hanging around out a sense of loyalty mm-hmm. but it doesn't mean she's hanging around with somebody necessarily that she likes yeah, that's true. That is true. That's true. I mean, I said this last week, didn't I? Poor Perry. She doesn't like. They don't give her anything to do apart from scream, uh, and yeah. have her whops out, and that's about it. Um, you know, and and just just be whingy and whiny, um, which is really disappointing. 
which again I thought was a bit of a shame because again there's an opportunity in this episode where she gets separated um, from the Doctor and she goes off with the crowns and there's an opportunity for her to do a bit more but once again doesn't she just needs to be led around by everybody else yep yep and they basically tell her don't worry child we'll look after you we'll look after you <laughs> yeah speaking of which the cryons then uh, what, nah. what what was the point in that <laughs> honestly I mean it just felt they're like they just there to lengthen the episode with their speech patterns <laughs> yeah, oh my god yes yeah I've never been so frustrated with a creature in Doctor Who my entire life the way that they speak, oh, seriously, so frustrating. Me the Menoptera. Yes, and I had that comment, didn't I, when we watched um, the uh, the ship planet? Sorry, the web planet. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> I honestly, I just there's, there's a lot of comparisons between those two, actually, the Menoptera and the uh, and the Cryons. Um, I just don't, Matt. It's your adage of if you can take them out the story, will it still work? Yes. So, I don't, I don't get the point in them being there. I mean, what, what were your, what, what was your take on them, Matt? Uh, I think there's a somewhat key link there. I think actually it would have been more nice if this story came across as more of a rescue story as opposed to a, a stereotypical fight the sidemen story, if you know what I'm mm-hmm. trying to say. Because mm-hmm. they are set up. You know, again, we talk about listen, come again about uh, trying to get people together so we can try and evacuate them, and then the doctor just gets involved. Yeah. I think there's an opportunity for them to be that sort of that rebel force, that fighting force, but they spend most of their time in broom closets, not really contributing to trying yeah. to escape. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying, which is, it, 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 it's if the whole story was focused on Telos, you could probably justify the Cryons being in it more, but it's just so jarring compared to the Earthbound shenanigans we had in Episode One, really. Because yeah, everything makes sense. Because again, the bits where they they're prisoners and they're being stored in the rooms which are at a certain temperature because they're too cold to go outside of. Fine, it's an interesting concept, and actually, I quite like that. Yeah. And we've got the um, listen. Obviously, comes over with his um, with his with his bank robbing friends, offering them to make the money if they help, so they can go through the tunnels because they don't have yeah, the same yeah, yeah. problem with the temperature. Yeah. That's fine, but that could all have been done with Litton, Perry, and the Doctor. Yeah, that's very true. That is very very true. Speaking of Litton, then, and his uh, bank robber goons. Um, yeah, I mean, Lytton is he's an interesting character, but I, I don't see the point in bringing him back. It, it felt a bit odd to, to, to have a character from a couple of seasons ago re- return in that capacity. It, it, I was going to say, to add that, it feels odd to bring him back to kill him in that episode, as yeah. a redemption episode, when he's only really done one thing wrong, if you know what I mean. It would have been nice, I think, if they had kept him going as a bit of a recurring villain and then have his redemption story. Yeah, very true. Very, very true. Um, yeah, it felt entirely unearned, um, yeah. especially because he spends the entirety of this episode being conniving and actually doing Yeah, that's a good really point. Yeah. Morally of the board, so... No, exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't feel any sympathy for him when... No. when... no, when he gets killed, he's just like, oh, well, you're kind of like, uh, you know, it's uh, at your own hands type scenario and you just almost like come up and it comes across more as like a come up and story than a redemption story at your own hands a pun at your hey quite literally yeah, <laughs> at your own hands yeah didn't know anyone could die by having their hands crushed that's fairly interesting um there is one character i want to give a special shout out to and i can't remember his name but that's the one played by brian glover the bald bank robber uh, so he's he's a, he's, yeah. he's he's quite a famous British actor. That bloke. He's been quite a lot of things. He was in uh, Kes. Christmas, isn't it? 
Who's Griffiths? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so that he was in a film called Cares in the seventies. He was in Alien Three. Um, he's been in loads of TV dramas as well. But he's such a brilliant actor, though, and I love the chemistry between him and Lytton. Um, the way they do their verbal sparring and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. right. I, my my only critique, because I think he's, I think he's actually really good. It's good to see him on screen. My only critique is for the bits where he's acting like a fish out of water. He doesn't seem so confused. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I think that's part of the comical charm of it to some extent. I think that's why it just works in the way that way that it works. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's just it's a bit of light heart. It's comic relief in an otherwise tonally very dark story. I think. Well, who actually is he? What is his job? I mean, he's just some random bloke that's ended up in the middle of a Cyberman story on a different planet. Yeah, that's it. That's exactly it. That's that's one of the common tropes of classic who, isn't it? People like Tegan going to the TARDIS for the first time, she don't really give a shit. And she's like, oh, well, it must be a ship because I found the controls. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's very odd. I mean, very, very quickly then, um, uh, the Cybermen then. I mean, they are the Cybermen. We've kind of spoken about them already anyway, but I mean... Any any closing comments on the Cybermen in this story? They're excellent. They're excellent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I, again, I don't I, like the characterization of these ones, but no. Yeah, I, I I think again, it's it's very much like I mentioned before, just pick a direction. I mean, yeah. we know what they're gonna, we know where they are at the moment, we know where they've been, and we know what they're gonna become, and the the only thing that seems to connect them all is a similar appearance and a name. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. That is exactly it. Which is very disappointing but that's kind of what happens to the Cybermen in this era um, really which is you know one of those things I guess alright it's time it's time rating so how many different types of Cybermen in one story out of ten Cook I guess you first four four Matt what about you uh, six. Out of ten. six okay well, I'm going for five so on that basis we'll go for five <laughs> a very average story nothing great nothing bad just you know I've seen it countless times so it must be doing something somewhere right okay well thanks for tuning in give us a like and subscribe on our Twitter and Facebook channels if Elon Musk lets you log on um, join us next week <laughs> as we venture into Colin Baker's final season I know it's crazy isn't it as the sixth doctor but for now it's a goodbye from us